0: Please keep your Bibles open there at Revelation chapter 1, uh, where we'll be this morning. Uh, Hopefully, as I got around, handed out to uh, our youth groupers uh, one of the transcripts of today's sermon to help you uh, follow along uh, with what is going. Please give me feedback uh, if that's helpful for you or whether you'd like some more pictures or some more space uh, to write down. Uh, your mum or dad may say they would like a copy uh, to follow along as well. You can let me know that as well. You have got Revelation open, uh, let's pray together. Uh, our Father God, as we sung a moment ago, we pray, speak O Lord, speak to us through your word. As we come now to a, a book of the Bible that uh, some of us might not be very familiar with it, some of us might feel it is a little bit Uh, strange or hard to understand. We believe your promise that you will speak and we pray, Speak, O Lord. Please show us Jesus. Strengthen our trust in him and grow our obedience of him. Amen. Amen. Some of us try to avoid the book of Revelation. Uh, There are some strange things in it. Uh, Whether you've read it or you've just heard a little bit about it, you'll know that it contains visions and dreams. It contains uh, dragons and beasts and fire and wrath and judgment and some things that I'm not yet even sure how I'm going to speak about. Uh, John Calvin, one of the great leaders and preachers of the Reformation said, the study of Revelation either finds a man mad or leaves him that way. Someone a little bit closer in time to us, Thomas Jefferson, uh, President of the United States of America, he said, I considered Revelation as merely the ravings of a maniac, no more worthy nor capable of explanation than the incoherences of our own nightly dreams. Not painting a good picture. We can see why people might want to avoid it. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, who's well known, or was well known as a a contemporary of ours, and atheist, uh, says of Revelation, it is deranged fantasies, though at least memorably written. How do you feel about Revelation? Perhaps you've tried to study it before and you've ended up lost and confused or even in arguments with other people about the details. Uh, You might know that many of the weird and dangerous religious cults that have emerged in the last hundred years, almost all of them have their origin in particular views of Revelation and the end times. And so some of us will be wary of studying Revelation, maybe even a little bit scared of it, perhaps someone who tries to avoid it. Uh, particularly if you're a Bible study leader or a preacher. But at the same time, we're at least a bit intrigued by it, aren't we? We're fascinated by it. We want to make sense of it. Uh, Revelation is the book that I've most been asked to preach on. And so here we are at Revelation across the next uh, 17 weeks. Uh, we're going to have a two-week break for the, school holiday, the next school holidays, but across 17 weeks we're going to be uh, reading carefully through this letter. When I originally embarked on this uh, preaching project, it was going to be 10 weeks, and that was looking pretty neat. But as I, the more I researched, the more I read it, the more I reflected on it, the more I talked uh, to friends and to you about it, the more I wanted to slow down. And so now giving us all the way uh, till the end of November uh, to carefully uh, work through this book. I'm convinced it will be good for us. Uh, One of the books that uh, I read in the last couple of weeks while I was away for assembly and holidays and study leave, uh, one of the books I've read in preparation and found most helpful is by Paul Barnett. Uh, He's a historian, he's a retired Anglican minister in Sydney and was one of my lecturers at Bible College. This is the title of his book on Revelation. Uh, John the Pastor, Encouragement for a Struggling Church, A Prophecy of Grace and Hope for Today's Church. It's a bit of a surprising title. It's not the usual title you'd expect when you come to the book of Revelation with all these strange and weird things and beasts and dragons and fire and wrath and judgment and end times. Uh, But Paul's title leads us to the key idea, I think. More than Revelation is about end-time predictions or weird dreams and visions and minor details that can get blown all out of proportion. Revelation is a warm pastoral letter to encourage and equip God's people for trusting and obeying Jesus in hard times. The original recipients of this letter Uh, the seven churches that are mentioned in chapter 1 and who are particularly addressed in chapters 2 and 3, they were facing hard times. At the end of the first century, as Christians, they were facing discouragement, uncertainty about the future. It was unpopular to be Christian. They faced persecution, even death. We can draw parallels with that through to us with that today can't we as christians we face times of discouragement individually and perhaps as a church in the christian face to the world we might be uncertain about the future and the future of christianity do we know what it's like for christianity to be unpopular perhaps we might face persecution even death, brothers and sisters around the world do. And what God does through this unusual book for Christians in the first century and for us today is to show us Jesus. What will encourage us and, to, and, and equip us to trust Jesus and obey him and to follow him? It will be to understand who Jesus is. To understand what Jesus has done and and where Jesus is in the days that are unfolding. And so Revelation is all about Jesus. Have a look with me please at verse 1 again. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave... This is the revelation of Jesus. You could also say it is the revelation from Jesus. It is the revelation about Jesus. What unfolds in these 22 chapters is about Jesus. And so if you get lost in reading Revelation in the coming weeks... If you get bogged down, if you get distracted by the details, remember this. What does this reveal to me about Jesus? It's the key question as you read through the book of Revelation. What does this reveal to me about Jesus? It's why we've called uh, this series, Jesus Revealed. It is all about Jesus And what we read here is given by God. We see there in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel or messenger to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. What we read here is given by God. And we can have every confidence that it is true and reliable. I want to draw your attention to the amount of testimony language that appears here in chapter 1. There in verse 2, we see the word saw. It is something that is seen by John. Verse 3, it is something that can be read. It is something that is heard or hear. Verse 5 uses the phrase faithful witness, speaking about Jesus. Verse 9 Reminds us that what we have here is a testimony. Verse 10, this is something that John has heard and has passed on to us. Verse 12, it is something that he was able to see. And in verse 19, there's encouragement for John to write, Therefore, verse 19, write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. This is not a a spirituality or a cult or a philosophy that has been dreamt up by John for his own benefit or his own interest or for his own reputation or his own fame. It has been given to him as a reliable testimony and and not for his own convenience. See there in verse 9? I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering... And kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Patmos is a Greek island about a 100 kilometers off the coast of Turkey but it is no paradise resort, it is a prison. John is a prisoner on Patmos because he is a follower of Jesus because of this reliable testimony, because of what he is sharing about Jesus, because of the truth. And so he's somebody who writes to us in hard times. He writes to others who are in hard times. So as much as anyone might be encouraged and equipped to trust and obey Jesus in hard times, he is encouraged to And equipped to trust and obey Jesus because of the reliable revelation about Jesus. Now if you need any more convincing of the value of reading Revelation, have a look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. The way the word blessed uh, is is used here is is not just an empty, hollow greeting or something that you might add to the end of a sneeze. Uh, Blessed here is to be deeply affected by these words. You will be deeply affected will be the one who reads the words of this prophecy. You will have your life changed by them. You might be a Christian who is uncertain of the times that we live in. Perhaps you're concerned about the rise of secularism. Maybe you're worried or even scared about the threat of terrorism. Perhaps wondering whether persecution that could involve physical persecution or even death may come upon us in our lifetime. If that is you... These words in Revelation will affect you. They will be a blessing to you. Perhaps you're here this morning and you see yourself as a a follower of Jesus. But as life continues on, you keep being drawn into patterns of sinful behaviour and you keep persisting in things that you know are wrong. Perhaps you're a follower of Jesus or see yourself as one but have given up on seeking forgiveness and praying for God's sanctifying spirit to change you. These words in Revelation will affect you as you read them. They will be challenging but they will bless you. You might be here this morning as somebody who is not a Christian. Somebody who has God at arm's length. You're at a position in life where you're not yet convinced of who Jesus is or the place that he has in the world or your life. These words will affect you. I want to be up front with you. It is my prayer for you and my loving concern for you to help you to see and understand and believe that Jesus is who he is revealed to be in this book. And can I say particularly to uh, our young people here, uh, those in university and high school and our older primary schoolers, I know that much of the world uh, round about you uh, thinks that Christianity is not just unpopular... But dangerous. Uh, That schools are better off without Christians in them or any kind of Christian influence. I heard recently while I was away of a a Christian school uh, that would rather not have a church meet in its school hall because it doesn't fit in with the ideals of the school. Uh, the world around us increasingly is seeing that a Christian worldview, this, this is our little world here in, here in, in Canberra and, and, and Australia, a Christian worldview has no place in ethics or in science or in medicine or in government or in marriage or in gender. And so to our younger people here, I don't know what it's like to be you today. Uh, but what I do know is that God has given us revelation for times like this to help you to know Jesus, to help you to trust Jesus, to help you to obey Jesus. And so we will all be affected by reading and studying this letter and we will be blessed. Now with the kind of reception that Christianity why would we be interested in studying Jesus? What is it about Jesus that would make him the object of our trust and obedience? We might be familiar with the baby Jesus. Cute. The baby Jesus narrative, which we particularly look at at Christmas, a lovely story that makes us feel good once a year. We might be familiar with wise Jesus. Jesus who says intriguing things that make us think. We might be drawn to the moral Jesus, the Jesus who helps us to live and gives us instructions to follow when it's convenient to what we want to do. We might be drawn to the inspiring Jesus, the one who died for a good cause. We might find him inspiring, but... Does baby Jesus or wise Jesus or moral Jesus or inspiring Jesus command our trust and obedience? Will baby Jesus encourage and equip us in hard times? It might help. But what we need is the full revelation of the true Jesus. And so let's see who he is uh, in verses 4 to 20. First of all, in, uh, I'll, p- I'll pick up uh, from verse 4 and read into verse 5. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Seven churches there. Well, it's got seven churches in, uh, uh, in ancient Asia, in the area of Turkey in mind. Uh, seven is a number in Revelation for completeness or fullness. And so there is an eye to all the churches of all time. Uh, John writes, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. What do we see here about who Jesus is in verse 5? Jesus is a faithful witness. He gives us reliable testimony about the things of God. He is the firstborn from the dead. The first one resurrected into the new creation. He is the one who brings in the promised new creation. He is given supreme rule and as magnificent as he is in power in being ruler of the kings of the earth, he is also magnificent in love and mercy He's the one who brings us into his kingdom and into restored relationship with God. So that verse 6, he's made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. And so to him, all glory and power belong. Amen, you might say. What do we see in verse 7? Well, here... Uh, our attention is turned to Old Testament expectations of the Son of Man. Uh, Look, verse 7 says, He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of Him, so shall it be. Amen. And we're drawing here on Old Testament expectations in Daniel, and Zechariah of the Son of Man, who would come from God to judge and to rule his kingdom with all God's authority, with all God's glory, and with all God's sovereign power. This is who Jesus is. What's more, in verse 8 we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. As we go through Revelation, it's going to get a little bit confused into places as to whether God the Father is speaking or Jesus the Son is speaking or they're speaking together as God. Verse 8, here this is Jesus as God speaking and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. What's so impressive about being an A or a Z? Or an Alpha and Omega? Well, it's representing the polar opposites. Uh, Jesus is from one end to the other and all in between. It's an Old Testament phrase that belongs to God and says that Jesus rules over all things for all time. There is no expiry date on Jesus' rule, there is no boundary to his rule. He doesn't have a presidential term that will come to an end. He will not be voted out. This is who Jesus is. In verses 9 to 11, they tell us of how this revelation came to John, that he had a personal encounter with the risen Jesus. He saw things, he heard things. And the language here is a little bit strange it's not how we would expect to see one another. But what's going on and here and right through the book of uh, Revelation, perhaps more than any other book in the New Testament, is the language that is being used to describe Jesus and what is going on is loaded with Old Testament background. The Old Testament is important in the book of Revelation. Uh, this is one of those times where having a Bible with cross-references, though the cross-references aren't inspired, uh, they are put there by uh, Bible editors to help us to find other passages that are actually connected to the one that we're reading. And Revelation, more than any other book in the New Testament, is a time where you need cross-references to help you find where you, it connects to the Old Testament. Now, you don't need cross-references. One of my heroes, Martin Lloyd-Jones, was a preacher and pastor who despised cross-reference Bibles and concordances because it made him a lazy Bible reader. He said that if he never had the cross-references or concordances, it just meant that he had to keep reading his Old Testament over and over and over again. So every time something came up in the New Testament, he knew what was going on in the Old Testament, where it was in the Old Testament. Uh, So you might like to uh, incorporate that uh, approach. Uh, I've got a small cross-reference Bible uh, plus my own notes uh, which so far in the book of Revelation if I don't keep preaching uh, quickly I'm going to run out of space to read the actual words uh, that need to be on the page my scrawl is uh, starting to cover things over now in verses 12 uh, through to 16 we are loaded here with Old Testament I'm going to skim over just a few as we read through you will like to follow along with me uh, from verse 12. Uh, John, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Now the son of man uh, uh, phrase comes from Daniel chapter 7, the one who would come from God with all his uh, rule and power and authority. We looked at Daniel 7 this time last year if you were with us. This son of man was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. Isaiah chapter 6 uh, tells us of when God appeared in the temple to Isaiah to call him to be God's spokesperson and God's robe filled the temple. That's part of the background. And this son of man, still in verse 13, has a golden sash around his chest. Back in Daniel chapter 10, in one of Daniel's dreams and visions, he saw come someone who was wearing a golden sash, a, 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 a priest who came from God, who would be the ultimate priest. This is all background to seeing who Jesus is in Revelation chapter 1. Verse 14, his head and his hair uh, were white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. That is almost an exact quote out of Daniel chapter 7 and the dream that Daniel saw there. This is Jesus. Verse 15, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Uh, He has the foundation of moral purity. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Uh, That connects us back to Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 43, where visions of God were accompanied with the sound of rushing waters. Verse 16, in his right hand he held seven stars. Uh, We find as we keep reading through Revelation that seven stars are the seven uh, angels of the church and Jesus has authority over them. Out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword... In Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 49, the one who holds the double-edged sword is the one who has authority to judge God's creation. His face, still in verse 16, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. In Judges chapter 5... The one who has the shining face is God's messianic warrior, the one who will bring in God's new people. Now with all those things loaded into what John saw and John knew his Old Testament, it's no wonder that John responded the way that he did in verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is not the way that we'd respond to the Prime Minister of Australia. None of us would respond in this way to the President of the United States of America. Not even if it's Donald Trump. We wouldn't respond this way to our pastor, uh, to a principal, to a parent. Not even a prince. The true Jesus as he is revealed to John and to us, demands a response. He is great, but at the same time he is safe for John and all who belong to him. Because in verse 17 and going into verse 18, he placed his right hand on me, John, and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Hades is the place of the dead. This is the true Jesus, who we are encouraged to trust and obey. We need not be afraid. He is the first and the last, the one who is before and after all things and all in between. He is the living one. He has gone through the grave and out the other side into the new creation. He is alive forever. And he is the one who now holds the keys of death. That though we face death at the end of a long life or have our our lives threatened every day, We can be confident that Jesus holds those keys of death and as we belong to him that we will be led through the grave and out the other side into the new life that he has. So why is it that we minimize Jesus in our lives? John's immediate audience in the first century lived in danger. Uh, The Roman emperor at the time was Domitian. Domitian insisted uh, that he be worshipped by his subjects, that he be worshipped as Lord and God. He referred to himself as Lord and God. And he expected that his subjects would see him as the source of all protection from invaders that he would be the source of their health and their prosperity and their blessing. His subjects so saw him in this way that statues and temples were built and and, and regarded as having magical power. Uh, Guilds or unions of the day for merchants and traders, they held religious services worshiping Domitian. When they got together for their guild meetings, to talk about how they would do trade in their area. They would begin their business meeting with a religious worship ceremony of the Roman Emperor. What would Christians do in the midst of this? They, if they're going to remain in the Union, if they're going to remain in business with the people round about them, they must confirm Domitian as God. If they can't confirm Domitian as God, if they can't join in the religious ceremonies at the start of their business meetings, then they need to leave the business. If they leave their business, there's no other trade union to be part of. They leave the business, they enter into poverty. No one in the Roman Empire could buy or sell from other merchants and traders if they did not conform to the religious worship of Domitian. There was tremendous pressure to minimise Jesus in their lives. Now John doesn't write to them this letter with the heart of a pastor, he doesn't write to minimise the cost of following Jesus to say it's not that big a deal guys. Uh, Through the book of Revelation we will see a frequent image for Jesus is the image of the Lamb. Hardly an image of, of power or majesty, of success and often that image of the Lamb is bloodied or slain. John is going to show us that those who follow Jesus should expect to be treated no better or no worse than he was. But... Because of who Jesus is in Revelation, because he is the firstborn from the dead, because he is the ruler and the powerful judge who has come from God, because he is the Alpha and the Omega, because he is the foundation of all that is right, because he is the first and the last, because he is the living one who holds the keys of death and who loves us we are encouraged and equipped to magnify Jesus in our lives. As a church, though the rise of secularism might challenge the convenience and comforts of church in Australia, whatever might happen, may we magnify Jesus by trusting him And obeying him more than we fear on losing out. As individuals, though it feels like our friends and our colleagues have no interest in Jesus. But they are offended by our faith and certainly when we speak about Jesus. May we magnify Jesus, praying that God will help us to speak of Jesus... Uh, lovingly and warmly and persuasively at the right time. In our personal lives, may we live. May our attitudes, our our priorities, our behaviour, our speech, what we do in private and what others see and hear, may we not minimise but magnify Jesus in our trust and obedience of him. May it so be, as John says in verses 5 and 6. And as I read them again, I invite you to underline, to put your stamp of approval and truth on the last word of verse 6, if you like. May it be true for us that to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be the magnified glory and to him be the magnified power in us forever and ever. Amen.